This is the Hot Stove Report. Going, going, goodbye baseball. On 710 ESPN Seattle. 710sports.com and the 710 Seattle app. All right, Hot Stove continues. And at this time, we have a chance to visit with Mariners Director of International Amateur Scouting, Frankie Thon Jr. Frankie, we've got a lot to talk about with the Mariners signing eight players, seven kids from Venezuela, one from the Dominican Republic. But before we get started, Frankie, why don't you tell the fans a little bit about yourself? Your dad was a Major League Scout. You're also the nephew of former Major League shortstop Dickie Thon, an outstanding shortstop. So where did you grow up and how in the world did you get started in this wonderful business of baseball? Uh, thank you guys for inviting me. And uh, no, I grew up in Puerto Rico, and I had the privilege of growing up in a home where basically baseball is a way of life. Uh, my dad, as you said, was an amateur scout in the spring. He was also a minor league coach in the summer. And then in the winter, he'd be the GM at the end of the year in winter league. So my brother and I was a different upbringing. Instead of playing travel ball in the summer or going on vacation during Christmas, uh, we'd be shagging balls with like Carlos Guillen in the backfield of a rookie complex. And then, uh, again, we'd, we'd spend Christmas or New Year's with a couple of top prospects or big leaders. So it was baseball 24-7, so you couldn't help but soak it all in. And it kind of shaped my way of thinking and set kind of the foundation of whatever baseball feel I have right now in spite of not playing was because of that upbringing. I think it's so fitting that we're talking to you while you're at an airport, uh, given your job. <laughs> Describe what, what your role is like and uh, exactly what you do. Uh, just like any other scout, we try to make as informed of a decision as possible in spite of the fact that you're evaluating basically the most inconsistent, I'd say probably like riskiest and most volatile portion of the amateur market. Uh, what we do as a department is we try to be as creative as possible and, and setting up as difficult as it is some sort of apples to apples comparison, no, knowing that you're facing the roadblocks of comparing 15, 16, 17-year-olds from across different countries who are facing different levels of competition. But having said that, you know, we feel like we've set up some systems where we're confident in and uh, kind of go beyond evaluating a player off the naked eye, which is still a huge part of what we do. And we basically have 20 scouts across uh, different countries. In Asia, we have scouts in Japan and Taiwan. And then Latin America, we have the Dominican Republic, Panama, Colombia, Venezuela, and Brazil. And we also bounce around Mexico, Aruba, Curacao, and Nicaragua. So basically all over Latin America, all over the world, really. How much time do you spend on the road? It really depends on the time of year, just like the draft where you have uh, it's cyclical and you have your ups and downs. It's not quite as predictable as a draft. So obviously, because of the system that's in place, it's, it's more of an auction system than an actual draft. So depending on where on what you've done with your budget and depending on the events that are going on, it, it kind of ebbs and flows. Frankie, you know, here in the States, you know, scouting a high school kid or a college kid, you got all kinds of video and, and scouting reports and, and Word of mouth from everybody that has a chance to watch these kids. How much information do you have on a 16-year-old kid in a Latin American country as far as stats, scouting reports, and, and videos to sign these kids? Yeah, that's where that's what, that's what I was alluding to when you say kind of getting creative. Uh, you put a process and system in place in terms of, okay, what can we do to kind of replicate or – um, replicate whatever you would be doing in the draft, right? You can't do exactly what – you can't rely on the same statistical data that you have in the draft, the same time of history. Uh, there's times where the international market moves pretty quickly. And so you find different ways, and, and, and that means in terms of uh, athletic measurables that you're doing instead of in terms of data that you're getting uh, through different avenues. So you combine that with the actual – kind of pure raw evaluation of the scouts and you combine that and come up with uh, your best estimation as to, again, 
the riskiest and most unknown part of the amateur world. But uh, as best you can, and, and you know, it's almost like an oxymoron saying an informed decision on a 15-year-old uh, <laughs> because we know not just physically, but what they're going to go through emotionally, mentally, and and when once they get on campus. But uh, try to make the most informed decision possible. Well, give us a bit of a thumbnail. We just had uh, celebrated International Signing Day, which uh, is always a big day for the organization. Give us a thumbnail of your thoughts on some of the signings. Yeah, it might as well be kind of like National inter- International Day of Joy, really, because I think <laughs> when you when you think about it, yeah, and 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 really honestly, not to take away from the happiness and the joy that goes on during the amateur draft in the states. But um, just like anything else, it is our international cross-checker, Kevin Fox, was mentioning this morning. He goes, you know, you, you want to you talk about having perspective and gaining a different feel for, for what you have and what you already have at home. You know, go step in the shoes of these kids and where they come from and, and the background and what they have to overcome. And that's why we call it kind of the International Day of Joy, just because of when, you're, when you get to these countries and you're, you're no longer in touristy places and you kind of ingrain yourself in that culture, and you kind of step in their shoes and you see what they have to overcome, it, it really uh, it kind of tugs at the heart and, and it gives it a different meaning. What's the reaction of uh, mom and dad when their kid gets uh, signed to a professional contract, Frankie? You know, it goes beyond the pride that you're going to see, obviously, at whatever level people sign and wherever they sign, whether it's international or the States. It goes beyond that because a lot of the times, not every single time, and I don't want to put a percentage on it, but a lot of the times this is sort of the – they've put all their eggs in one basket in terms of, of kind of overcoming their their home background, but let's put it that way. And so it, it's a sense of relief. It's a sense of pride. It's a combination of a lot of feelings. And when you watch it, it's, it never gets old, really. Visiting with Frankie Thon, Jr., Mariners Director of International Amateur Scouting here on uh, Hot Stove. Frankie, of the eight kids that you signed, seven were from Venezuela and just one from the Dominican Republic. Can you tell us why there were so many from Venezuela available at this time? Yeah, it's not necessarily a philosophy that we have. I think it, it's kind of cyclical, and it goes, uh, again, it ebbs and flows, and there's years where you're, where you're going to have uh, the majority of being from the DR, you're going to have some years where it's half and half. And, and really, in my in my happy place, like we become the United Nations, and we have one player from each country that I mentioned a while ago, but uh, that rarely happens. It just so happened that uh, the timing of it, where we were, and the players that we liked just happened to line up that it was Venezuela. But uh, by no means was it sort of a philosophy that we have internally. What are some of the names from this group that fans should be aware of? Yeah, I think the... Probably the biggest name is Starling Aguilar. He's a left-handed hitting infielder from the DR. Uh, he's been on social media and some of the lists. Um, he's probably going to end up at third base. He's got a quick, whippy bat and, and really advanced field at the plate. He's not the type of athlete we would usually go for, but the offensive potential is so big that it, we thought it was warranted um, making that kind of investment. And, and so he's he's kind of the more famous name. He gets comped a lot to Rafael Devers and, you know, we do it a lot internally, too, in our, in our reports, but I think it's quite unfair to, you know, expect a 15- or 16-year-old to, you know, have, uh, you know, the same career path as ex-player. Uh, there are some similarities, but, but again, kind of let the kid have his own career. We'll see what it turns out into. The other one I, I'd probably talk about would be Gabriel Gonzalez. He's a right-handed hitting outfielder from Venezuela. He's actually a little bit of an underrated player. He was not on any other top 30 list uh he was not seen a whole lot in the kind of the the trail right the scouting trail but internally again the systems that we have and and again kind of getting creative with what we measure 
he ended up kind of lining up as one of our top 15 players for the entire uh, for the entire international class. Obviously, other teams might not feel that same way, but uh, he's a right-hand hitting outfielder with a ton of power, like uh, a ton of torque and kind of fury behind his swing. But he's got feel for it too. Not a whole lot of swing and miss, and above our average athlete and really really physical. Kind of looks like a like a Cespedes type of, of body. And we'll see if he goes too big and kind of outgrows center field. But the combination, just a really good overall player with no real holes to his game and, and a lot of upside, especially if he stays in center field. But even on the corner, probably an everyday player. What do you like most about what you do? I think when you can be a part of when you when you can be a part of allowing somebody to reach their dreams or to reach one of their dreams, I think that's the most rewarding thing you can you can be a part of. And obviously, like we said, it's not just signing day, but seeing them kind of. You, they become, they almost become your kid, right? More so than in the amateur draft because, again, you're dealing with them when they're 14, 15, 16, yeah. and when they come on campus. And, and the relationships there and the, the personal connection is, uh, is way more prevalent than it is in the draft. So, again, being part of that whole path, it's extremely rewarding. Now, you bring up a good point, Frankie, because I remember when the Mariners signed Felix Hernandez at 16. They were watching Felix when he was 14 years old, and they kind of camped out near his house, and they created that relationship and bond and trust with his parents. And when it came down to signing day, Felix and his parents chose the Mariners over, I think, the Braves, maybe even the Red Sox or Yankees, teams that maybe offered more money because they trusted the Mariners scouts down there, and they had that relationship. What is the competition like for some of the top young players in Latin American countries? Yeah, that's a difference there between the international side and the draft. As we mentioned, obviously the draft, you're assigned a, a specific slot, right? And, and you know where you're going to pick. Whereas on the international side, you're given a budget. And it's one thing to identify the talent. It's another thing to acquire the talent. There's a, there's a big gap between one and the other. And that's where, uh, sure, I mean, I, I think uh, more than 50% of the time because of an auction, the highest bidder wins. But especially in these type of cases, like you mentioned, Felix Hernandez, where you're, you're – Dealing with potentially special talent, that's where the relationship building part of it, the reputation on the road as a club or, or specific scouts, that's where that's where the scouts really earn their money, really. It's not so much the identifying the talent, it's that kind of relationship uh, that leads to a player, a player or an agent picking one team over the other. Frankie, I tell you what, you're doing an amazing job for this organization uh, in Venezuela, the Dominican Republic, Panama, and uh, other other. Uh, parts of the globe looking for talent, diamonds in the rough to get to the big leagues, and it's really something taking a look at 16-, 17-year-old kids, assign them and, and get them in an organization to start playing baseball and reach their dreams and goals of playing in the big leagues one day. So I applaud you. Uh, congratulations on uh, signing these eight kids, and I can't wait to watch their progression in the minor leagues with the Mariners, and hopefully one day we'll, hopefully one day we'll see them all in the big leagues, Frankie. Wouldn't that be something? No, I appreciate those words, and obviously we try our best. It takes usually takes a, a little while longer to see how it all turns out with these yeah. players, unless they're you know kind of generational type talents that, that kind of breeze through the minor league system. But yeah, we kind of do our part, and 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 hopefully do what we can to help the organization. And then obviously it's up to I think you hand them off to player development and HP and everybody else in the organization. And the way we're we're working kind of hand in hand, it's great, and and you know we leave them in great hands. So we'll see what happens. Frankie, congratulations. I know you just got off a flight uh, from the Dominican Republic, and uh, hopefully we'll visit uh, real soon down the road. Appreciate it. Appreciate it, guys. Thanks for the time. You're welcome. Frankie Thon, Jr., the Mariners Director of International Amateur Scouting 
uh, signing eight kids, seven from Venezuela, one from the Dominican Republic. We'll be back with more as Hot Stove continues after these messages. All things Mariners, all off-season. The Hot Stove on 710 ESPN Seattle, 710sports.com, and the 710 Seattle Sports app. And again, welcome back to Hot Stove 2021. Rick Riz along with Gary Hill. And this reminder, the Virtual Mariners Community Tour presented by Root Sports wraps up this Wednesday at 5 o'clock. Be sure to tune in into a public live view stream with yours truly, Rick Riz, along with Evan White and Dylan Moore, as we pay a visit to fans up in Alaska, Idaho, and Montana. For more information, visit mariners.com slash community tour. Well, right now, Gary, we're going to go out to Houston, Texas, and visit with our dear friend and one of the great radio broadcasters in the American League, Steve Sparks, the voice Yee-haw! of... Back out to Houston, Rick. (laughs) Steve Sparks, the uh, play-by-play voice on radio for the Houston Astros. How you doing, buddy? Getting through uh, the offseason, getting ready for spring training? Yeah, definitely getting ready for spring training. Can't wait to get out there and and call some games, watch some baseball. Uh, It seemed like uh, we were almost in a daze last year. That 60 games felt like it went by in about two weeks rather than two months. But uh, can't wait for a full season. You know, hopefully that – Everybody knows what to expect as far as the protocols go. Uh, maybe, hopefully, you know, we'll keep our fingers crossed that things might even open up as far as our access to some of the players uh, further down the road. But, man, I can't wait for baseball. It's good to see you. You know, last year, during a normal season, it seems like we run across each other like 50 times a year. And right. then I know Steve Sparks last year. It was no Steve Sparks, yeah. Uh, that's what we've uh, learned to love, right, is – especially within our division, you know, we see the Rangers, we see you guys and the angels and the A's so often that become, become very good friends with all of you guys. And it feels like a fraternity, a fraternity of some sort. So we've enjoyed those relationships. We rely on each other, you know, and, you know, for me, a lot of times uh, to be able to talk to like a Mark Langston or a Mike Blowers and, and, and talk baseball and, and uh, being able to speak the same language sometimes. I feel like whenever I talk to Mike Bowers, I can get about four innings worth of information in 10 seconds from him. So uh, it's great. You know, he's a, he's a man of a few words, but, man, they're really impactful for me. I love going to Houston because uh, there at Minute Maid Park, we've got uh, our radio booth right next to yours. Yeah. You and I are separated by a thin piece of glass. <laughs> it's like a drive through window at Wendy's. Exactly. Uh, exactly. We've all done that the last uh, eight, ten months. But uh, Exactly. So, but you know what? I mean, that, uh, that makes for some interesting uh, conversations that we're able to have during the course of a game in between innings when we're able to get a bit, maybe just a, a nugget or two about a relief pitcher that we've never heard of who comes into the game to make his debut and – uh, come to find out he was a substitute teacher in Alaska in the offseason or something like that that uh, we get to expand upon. Exactly. We could jot a note down on a piece of paper and put it up on the window. There you, you go. A little bit about Houston Astros. You guys are going to have a different look. Uh, what is the status of Justin Verlander? One start last year, that was against us. Tommy John surgery. And what's yeah. life to be like without really one of the better players in, in baseball and George Springer signing a big contract as a free agent with the Toronto Blue Jays. Right. Well, they knew those days were coming. And truth be told, Rick, uh, a couple of years ago when they extended Altuve and they extended Alex Bregman, we knew they weren't going to be able to keep 
all four of those guys together when I when you lump in George Springer and Carlos Correa. So uh, three out of four, you'd you'd cross your fingers. Uh, four out of four was just seem uh, out of the realm. But uh, they have extended two of them. So Altuve and, and Bregman are long term. Uh, Springer got away. You know they they made uh, throughout the years. You know the last four or five years, we'd heard rumors that they tried to uh, to tease him a little bit and, and try to get him on board to sign something long-term and maybe take him out of a couple of years of, of arbitration and free agency, but just weren't able to come to terms. And uh, I don't think there was any hard feelings from either side. But uh, uh, when you talk about Astros fans and, and somebody who they really came to love as far as uh, personality, what he was able to do in the community, uh, you guys are probably well aware that he stutters and, and, and all he's done in the the community for that uh, advancement. And then what he was able to do in the field, particularly in the, in the postseason, he was a big game player. Uh, so they'll miss him. Verlander, he's a hall of famer. You'll miss him. He's at the top, but uh, what the Astros did, and it was very short and they eat their way into the playoffs last year with a record, two games below 500, but they were able to turn on that switch. I, I didn't think they were going to be able to, they looked dead in the water the last week of the season they flipped that switch, man, and something came on, and, and we saw a lot of a lot of those guys uh, come up big again. And uh, they're used to it, you know. They've a lot of these players have played close to sixty games in the playoffs now in their young career, so uh, they've got a lot of experience in, in big moments, and they they seem to thrive in those. Uh, there's a lot of young guys. There was ten pitchers last year, uh, Gary and Rick, as you guys well know that made their major league debuts for the Astros. That's just pitchers. Ten pitchers made their debuts last year, and there was a few of those that really shined. Uh, Andre Scrub, Blake Taylor, a lefty. Uh, Brooks Raley came over for uh, spending four years in Korea. Uh, so they, they've they got some shining spots in the bullpen. Uh, their rotation is thin coming into this year, and Gary and I have spoken about this in, in the last week feel like a lot of teams are going to need a lot of starting pitching to get through 162 games after playing 100 games less last year. So we'll have to see how creative they get. I know Seattle got creative last year with the six-man rotation and are probably going to do the same this year. I think a lot of other teams need to adopt that too. Where do you see the Astros going into this season? And obviously things can change. I mean, there's still some guys out there to, to bring aboard. But where do you right. see the Astros as we sit right now in terms of the division? Well, I expect, I expect uh, Bregman to, to play better, to hit a lot better. Uh, he had a, a bad year offensively last season. So did Altuve. And whether or not it was uh, their mental state uh, coming off of the cheating scandal stuff, uh, I, I'm not exactly sure. Both guys are notoriously slow starters. So when you really think about it, that's basically first two months of the season, the first third of the season, you may attribute it uh, to partly just being slow starters. But I seem to think more of the former that I think they were affected a little bit more about what happened in the offseason. Uh, you get Jordan Alvarez back two years ago. He was the rookie of the year, and he's a big, impactful bat. I thought the signing guys uh, of Michael Brantley coming back to this team with all that's going on uh, within the organization gives them a lot of street credibility to anybody else who might sign within this organization in the years to come, just because of his reputation, the way he goes about his business. And for him to say, yeah, I want to be part of this, uh, I think uh, is very helpful to this organization. We'll just leave it at that, that 
somebody of his stature was uh, willing to come back on board. What's your view on the Mariners heading into this season? The Mariners remind me of where the Astros were in 2014. Maybe a year away from being contenders for the playoffs. Maybe a surprise team. Maybe a year early. I mean, the Astros did it a year early in 2015 before I think a lot of people predicted them to be able to sneak into the playoffs and almost got by Kansas City after beating the Yankees in the wild card that year. So they they were a year ahead of a time. It wouldn't surprise me in the least if the, the Mariners were able to do that. I'm not sure if, if they really have enough top-end pitching to to be able to to get over that hurdle or not. I still think Sheffield and Dunn still have some development to go. I love Marco Gonzalez. I think he's one of the best pitchers in the American League. Uh, and then we'll just set, have to see what you say does. I mean, we're, we're still waiting to see if he can uh, kind of clear that American hurdle right now for whatever reason. It, nothing's really translated to what they uh, feel like they'd hope. Flexit, I'm not really sure on. We'll have to see. But I love what they've done in the bullpen. I think the, the back end of the bullpen – with Montero back there now, you get Graveman fully healthy. I think it's solid uh, back there, you know, coming off a rough season they had in the bullpen. If they can keep those guys healthy, those four or five that they're really going to count on, they, I think they're going to be tough. I think Evan White uh, will be better, and I think it's probably going to be a, a climb for him uh, to figure some things out offensively. But, man, I think Kyle Lewis is a superstar. If not already, I think uh, he's – He's going to show this year that uh, he's a force to be reckoned with in this entire division. And the sleeper for me out of all these guys, I knew Seager had a great year, Crawford. Murph, getting Murphy back is huge. But for me, man, Dylan Moore is just – he was like Marvin Gonzalez was for the Astros a few years ago where you're able to, to pencil him in anywhere you need to, to to give a guy a rest. And you don't really drop off at all defensively. And offensively, man, he's going to give you a spark every single time. I think he's a great player. Spark, it's always great to get to spring training and see the kids uh, get a chance to play yeah. and try to find that diamond in the rough. I remember in 1989, there was this kid that had a pretty good year out in center field. Was he going to make the ball club? Was he? <laughs> I remember it well. I remember being in spring training and watching him on the minor league side. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we were on a field maybe just adjacent to where Junior was playing. And uh, whenever he was coming to bat, you know, if we weren't in the game, we were walking over toward that other field just to get a chance to watch him. So, man, what a what a thrill that was for myself to to get a chance to compete against a, a player of his caliber, man. That was that was something else. And I know you guys are grateful that you got to watch his entire career. Exactly. That's what I love about this game. We find diamonds in the yeah. Marky, you're a diamond in the rough. Steve, it's always a pleasure, buddy. You always put a smile on our face. It's always great to see you. When you come here and we go to Houston, we wish you the best of luck. Stay healthy, and uh, we'll see you real soon, hopefully. I appreciate it, guys. Stay safe, man. All right. The play-by-play voice of the Houston Astros, our good friend Steve Sparks, and we'll be back as Hot Stove continues after this. Back to more of the Hot Stove on 710 ESPN Seattle, 710sports.com, and the 710 Seattle Sports app. Well, Hot Stove 2021 continues. Rick Riz along with Gary Hill, and right now we have a chance to visit with uh, a young lady who helps us out uh, every day during the course of the baseball season at spring training. Uh, Shannon Dreher does a tremendous job for our flagship station. Uh, but before we get to Shannon, this reminder, the Mariners have teamed up with Blue 
Bloodworks Northwest to host another pop-up blood drive at T-Mobile Park this month. Sign up today to donate blood and help save lives in our region. Plus, if you do, you'll receive a Kyle Seeger bobblehead thanks to Root Sports. Visit bloodworksnorthwest.org slash donate to make an appointment. Well, Shannon Dreyer, we have an appointment to get down to Peoria, Arizona, get ready for spring training 2021. Thanks for joining us here in Hot Stove uh, this evening. When you plan on heading down to Peoria? Looks like I'm going to head down right before the start of games. So I'll let everybody else get everything all figured out and how it's going to work. And I will show up when things are definitely happening. That's a good plan. Yeah, I like that. That's well thought out. <laughs> On the show last week, for the first time, we took an audio question. We're going to do that again today. Now, I have to, we've answered this question already, but for, for your benefit, Shannon and Rick, you have to hear the question that we had last week because it, it's great. This is from Charlie Brown, our first audio question last week. Hello, Charlie Brown here, calling all the way from London, England with my question. We were all over the moon last year to get any sort of baseball, but one of the big sadnesses, of course, was not having any minor league play and all the fun of hearing about who's coming up through the system and looking like the stars of the future. Now, we all know about exciting lads like Jared, J-Rod and Emerson, but who would you say are the lesser-known names that we should look out for who have some real potential to break out this year? Cheers and all the best from us international fans in faraway time zones who can't wait to be cheering on our beloved M's at silly o'clock in the morning. Go Mariners! I mean... Good grief. We started a new segment and that was the very first thing we got. Wasn't that the greatest? Gary, I'm not going to lie. I didn't even hear the question because I was just taking in the voice and and the meter and everything else. And, And I'm also very curious, how are we going to use him during the season? I've, don't I've, just let yeah. that go. That's not that's not a one and done. I've already been in contact. Yeah, this, something. <laughs> of course you happen. have. I'm not sure what it is yet, <laughs> but that voice will be on our air again. So yeah. don't worry about that. So well, we have a question this week. And by the way, our winners uh, get a sweet Mariners prize pack too. So this will be our winner this week. And this is the question we're going to talk things over. Here, here's Tim Goff. Shannon and Rick, this is Tim Goff from the Palm Springs of Washington. My question is about the position of greatest continuity and stability in Mariner history, left field. Who is the M's opening day left fielder this upcoming season? That's a very good question and a funny way to put it. I I knew where he was going the minute he said continuity. Uh, I guess we could work backwards from that. I will say that I think the uh, left fielder on the final day of the season will be Jared Kelnick. Nice. Um, and I will say that I'm a little bit surprised that at on this date that it is not somebody who was not in the organization last year. I thought that was somewhere that they would add and they could still add. I am going to go out on a limb and say Dylan Moore. Mm-hmm. And I know he's supposed to be at second base, but I think they might get creative. I think when it is all said and done and they get down there and they have the 28 games in the Cactus League and they start playing with lineups and where you can put people, I almost think that somehow you're going to see Dylan Moore in left field. Uh, I, I think Dylan is going to get most of his playing time at second base. I really do. He's a great athlete. He can make that long throw from the outfield with the defensive shift. Uh, you know, he did a great job, and the outfield made some great catches. But the one kid that I'm really rooting for, and I'd love to see Jared Keldick, you know, be that guy sometime in the near future. I don't know if it's going to be at the end of spring training, is Jake Fraley. 
this kid has worked so hard over the last couple of years. Uh, uh, very athletic kid and uh, can hit the ball with power. And I just want to, I would love to see this kid get an opportunity, but he's got to make his opportunity right now because he's been around for a little while. But I would love to see Jake Fraley get out there in left field and, and see some playing time. I'd love to see what he could do. I think this is a really important spring for Jake Fraley. Yeah. Yeah, because you start to look at it, the outfield, it gets pretty crowded pretty quickly. Tramel and Kalnick, some of the names we've been talking about. And, you know, we were ta- just what? talking to Justin Hollander about that. And, you know, he had talked about, Dylan Moore getting an opportunity to play. And as this thing moves forward, those opportunities are going to be harder to come by. Just, you know, when you add more and more talent to a 40 man, you don't have as much room to give players opportunities. Yeah. It'd be interesting to see uh, Shedlong Jr. You know how he works in there yeah. coming back from the surgery with his leg. Uh, does he play second base again? I'm sure he will if he gets in there and in the outfield. So they have some options. You know, it's funny. My, I thought I was going to be sneaky, Shannon, and say Dylan Moore starting in left field, but you kind of beat me to the punch. Because, you know, Shedlong Jr. is a player we have not talked about a ton this winter that we were talking about a lot in the previous winter, and he played through some injuries last year. And he's, I think he's going to get an opportunity at some point this season to play um, play consistently, and we'll see how it works out for him with uh, another crack at things. I think there's no question about that. I think that when I said that Jake Fraley needs, I think there are a lot of players that need to have a good spring training, either to make the club or to show that they will be ready shortly. And and I think it's a very important spring in that regard. Shed didn't have a good spring last year. Uh, He didn't have a good showing when he was up, but we found out he was injured. So I think there are a lot of questions right now as to, you know, how much of that was because of that injury. And I think for Shed, if he doesn't have that great spring training, I think you want him to get his legs under him. You want, he needs to, he's kind of separated from success at the plate. They liked what he did defensively. He took steps forward that last, last year, but I think you really want to get that bat going before you put him back in there. And it's really going to get crowded over the next few years with the arrival of Kelnick and also Julio Rodriguez. So Mariners are going to have some pretty good options here in the near future. And for this year, you know, it's going to be interesting to see how they manage the roster in that respect. Now that we know it's going to be 26 men during the course of the regular season, expanded to 28 in September. And with a six-man rotation, it's going to be interesting to see the interplay between the rotation, how many guys on the bench. I mean, Shannon, how do you look at that? How do you think the roster is going to be managed during the course? Well, I, I, I think there was an important ruling that came down today because originally when they went to the 26-man roster, it was going to be split evenly between position players and pitchers. And that, to me, uh, is what I wanted to see because I think you ask any manager, you get another player, it's going to be a pitcher. And, and I think that the idea in adding the player, a big part of that idea is to get some more speed into the game, get some more offense into the game. Um, so that would, would have been problematic, I think, for the Mariners this year, going with a six-man rotation. Would have meant they would have had to go with a seven-man pen, and they've traditionally gone with an eight-man pen, even with a five-man rotation. So it came down today that they're just getting rid of that rule. You can have how many ever you want of anybody. So I'm going to guess that they're going to go with eight in the pen again, which means you're looking at a three-man bench. One of those is the catcher. you got big competition for those two spots. Yeah, because they're going to have to play – all over the place. I guess it helps to have a guy like Dylan Moore, who's mm-hmm. going to be in your starting lineup, but a guy you can obviously throw anywhere. Yeah. yeah and uh, this spring obviously is still going to be different. Uh, you know, as far as getting to the players, uh, have you thought about, you do such a great job with interviews, how to get to these guys and do your pregame interviews, uh, you know, throughout the course of the spring. 
I have, and they're still coming down with how exactly that is going to be handled. And I've heard some things here and there, and I'm I'm optimistic that we'll be able to to get a little bit beyond the Zoom, which I'm not going to totally at the Zoom. There were some good things about the Zoom, and that uh, I think that um, some really surprisingly in depth conversations that we had. It's it's different. Anytime you put an interview subject in a different setting, things change regardless. And, and I think that there there were some good aspects of that, but you really do need to get in front of them. And I, and you both know that the biggest thing that you need is you need that opportunity just to talk to them. And, uh, you know, I don't care if it's 10 feet, 12 feet, 15 feet, or if I'm shouting at them from 20 feet away, <laughs> it would be good to have that opportunity. And so I think there are a few different things that are on the table, which means we're kind of looking at different equipment to use and, and whatnot. But But I'm hopeful that we will be able to do a little bit more. Although I can't say enough about the Mariners media relations staff and how they set up everything last year, the access that we had to talk to people on zoom every day. I'm not just talking about the, you know, the big scrum interviews, but the one-on-one had some great conversations last year. And if that's what we need to do to keep everybody safe, I'm good with that, but I'm hopeful that there's a little bit more. I like the idea of you shouting 20 feet away at people <laughs> and just watch it like you're at third base shouting yeah. into the dugout. I think that's- it's a challenge in a mask. I'm like doing some like breathing exercises and projection and everything else because I typically am kind of quiet and that's not going to play through the mask if we get that opportunity. So I'm thinking about everything right now. Megaphone. Yeah. <laughs> What are the big stories uh, going into the spring of this year for you? Uh, Wow. Um, You know, we are looking at another development season, and I think the key, and I wrote this on 710sports.com, if they are to get to where they want to be at the end of next season, of this season, uh, they are going to need these young players, a vast majority of them, to be what they want them to be right now. There's not going to be a lot of time to get your legs under you and and to develop. They're going to need to uh, have some wins early on in the season to put themselves in position to make some moves at the deadline. And one thing that they've done that I think is going to help that is they've added a pen. You might not know all the names, but they have added a pen that can do some things and that should be markedly better than what we saw last year. So the bullpen is going to be a a big story. And then all these young guys, what do they look like? Um, Some didn't weren't able to play in games last year. Obviously, Kelnick's going to be a huge story down in spring training. Uh, Cal Raleigh, I think, is going to be an interesting one to watch. And talking with Scott Service, it almost seems like they're hoping to see him sooner than later. And catchers are always interesting, so it'll be interesting to watch that progression. And then the young starters that we saw last year, I loved what they did in the steps that they took forward. Did they keep going with that? Uh, there are a lot of different things to watch. And Kendall Graveman as a reliever, you know, yeah. what does he look like there? What does he turn into there? So many things to watch. There's going to be a lot of great stories. Once we get down to Peoria, Arizona, I, I love the additions of Rafael Montero coming over from the Rangers in a trade. Keenan Middleton is a free agent who was with the Angels the last four years. So a lot of new faces as long, along with the kids uh, coming up as well. So it's going to be, I think, an interesting spring with a lot of great stories. Shannon, thanks a lot for the visit. We'll see you down in Peoria real soon. Can't wait, guys. Shannon Dreyer as Hot Stove 2021 continues right after these messages. All things Mariners, all off-season. The Hot Stove on 710 ESPN Seattle, 710sports.com, and the 710 Seattle Sports app. 
Well, the Mariners Team Store is ready to help outfit you for the 2021 season at any of their four convenient locations. Or if you prefer, you can also place an order by emailing Mariners Team Store at Mariners.com to arrange delivery or curbside pickup. For more information and hours, visit Mariners.com slash Team Store. Rick Riz along with Gary Hill. And Gary, time to put a bow on another great edition of Hot Stove. We had a chance to visit with Assistant GM Justin Hollander, chance to visit with Dylan Moore, and Frankie Thon Jr., the Mariners Director of International Amateur Scouting. Great uh, recap on some of the kids that they just signed. And I mean kids, 16, 17-year-old yeah. kids out of Venezuela and the Dominican Republic, and also a recent visit here over the last few minutes with our very own Shannon Dreyer. So uh, we're getting closer, buddy, to the yeah, was, 2021 season. It's a good show. I felt like we learned a lot. We really did. I I was happy. I'm disappointed that Dylan does not order a catcher's mitt. <laughs> I I was disappointed to find you know he's ordering gloves for every other position. You know why not just throw in an order for a catcher's mitt? But I, yeah. I guess I understand his point. If you start to carry one around, they might you want might to use be it. asked. Yeah, you might be asked to use it. So I guess that makes sense. No, that's a good idea. How big is his Tom bag? Murphy will does take he have care of two that? bags. Is he? I mean, you know. Yeah. I remember looking in Mark McLemore's locker when he was here, and Mac was the jack of all trades. He did the same thing back in 2001. He played every day, but all over the place, third base, shortstop, first base, the outfield, second base, and he played all positions very well, and that's what Dylan Moore does. And um, i tell you what, I love this kid because he's so athletic mm-hmm. and very good. And, and Gary, we've got a lot to look forward to here in the next few days when uh, spring training gets underway. Yeah, he's one of the guys, too, I'm really excited to watch see, uh, watch this year. He's he's really blossomed, really had a nice year last year, and it'll be ni- it'll be very interesting to see how he progresses here in a full yeah. season. I, he's one of the guys that I'm really excited about this year. Also fun talking with Frankie Thon, Jr., Yeah. Director of Scouting, International That's, Amateur Scouting. And, and, you know, how do you take a look? It's a wild world, man. At a 16-year-old kid <laughs> and project him to be in the major leagues one day, it's a lot of fun, a lot of work. Yeah, but, it's uh, the, that's the trick. And the job seems impossible to me in all the different places they've that they go and they're on the road all the time yeah. and uh, it's it's amazing work that they do and the amount of kids hmm. that they see along the way it's it's impressive and uh, congratulations i know the signing day is it, it's funny they have the signing day and then they're off to the next year it's like do there's it no break at all but <laughs> yeah. i hope at least they get a few minutes yeah. to kind of celebrate and feel good about what is a big day for the organization yeah the scouts uh, are the the lifeblood of any major league organization scouting kids high school kids college kids here in the states and also 16 17 year old kids in the latin american countries it's uh it's really a, an interesting undertaking and these guys do it so very well so yeah gary we'll see you down at uh, peoria Arizona. absolutely next time i see you we'll be in the sun so that'll, that'll be, be good nice. all right that wraps it up uh hot stove 2021 for uh this edition more is coming your way next week and we'll see you then so long everybody